0: what's the story how are we getting on a very warm welcome back to the podcast and today is kind of a reset the room type of episode you could say i've got a few random things that i want to talk about and as you can see from the title yes i will be talking about the Lent challenge that i did last month but before all that just make sure you're subscribed to the podcast wherever you do listen in turn on your notifications so you never miss an episode leave a five star rating Leave a short review and follow the podcast Instagram page for visuals and more high cost related content. I actually recently rejoined Twitter again. It's like my third Twitter account now. It's like I join it, realize how shit it is and then delete my account. But something always just pulls me back in. I think it's all the hype around Elon Musk's recent acquisition of the company that kind of got me back in. Imagine waking up one morning and saying like, yeah, I might just go buy Twitter today. 44 billion, no problem. Pocket change. Hopefully he'll be able to solve the issues around censorship and freedom of speech. And in general, it's kind of a great chess move in the fight back against woke culture and cancel culture and the Gen Z kids that just try to silence people that have a different point of view from theirs. So yeah, I'm back at the party at THC Pod." 22. Give me a follow. Now, I haven't actually tweeted yet, but when I do, I plan on being insanely controversial. And all in all, it's just another platform to help me grow a listenership. So, why not? Next thing is, I want to apologize for my lack of episodes over the last month. The hardest thing about podcasting is being consistent, in my opinion. It's actually my biggest challenge finding the time to do the required research write up a plan for each episode, record the episode, do all of the editing, publish the episode, and then when it's out, promoting the episode. I'd say one episode is like a full day's work from morning to night, and that's being generous. Um, It's different for everyone, but for me and the way I do it and my whole process or my formula, you could say it's about a full day's work. To get one episode out there. Now I could half ass it and just throw garbage out. But I actually put some time into these episodes you know. But it doesn't feel like work to me. Don't get me wrong. I love doing it. It's just very time consuming. And it's time that I don't always have. Sometimes I put out a weekly episode. And then it goes to an episode every fortnight. And then last month in April. I just did the one episode. Which I was disappointed in myself. To only... Managed to put out one episode in the whole month, like you know, so apologies. Not trying to make excuses, but I've been working sixty hours a week the last few weeks, and then I had not one but two last-minute trips to Manchester in April. The first one was five days' notice before a match. I got the tickets of a good maid of mine went over with the mother, and that was her Mother's Day present. United at home to Leicester, (laughs) we had a great time. And then I had the United and Chelsea game two weeks ago in Old Trafford. I had those tickets for ages, but the match was supposed to be in the middle of May. But um, they brought the match dates forward due to Chelsea being in the FA Cup final on May 14th. So we just had a few days notice and we headed off again. And it was a great trip, me and uh, me and the brother this time. Both trips were expensive, man, but well worth it. I bumped into Gigsy. I did the Old Trafford Tour, although I had done that years ago as well. I took my brother, who is a Chelsea fan by the way, into a United Supporters bar. And like I said, we had a great time. It was an experience to say the least. I'll definitely try and get back over for a few games next season if I can. But yeah, between those two trips now and working overtime, the High Cost Podcast has kind of taken a back seat there for the last while. But I'd be lying to you if I said that I'm going to be consistent from here on in because there's going to be more trips in the summer and I will still be working and life gets in the way and will continue to get in the way. You just got to find a way to juggle everything. Nobody's paying me to do this so I just put out an episode whenever I feel like it from now on in, whether it's weekly, every two weeks or once a month, who knows. I don't have a fixed day when I publish an episode. So whenever it does come out. It comes as a surprise. And that's how it's going to be from now on. But listen to me. Right now. I want to talk to you about something. That means a lot to me. I'm excited because. The world is about to get something. That it hasn't gotten in five years. The Goat. My personal favorite rapper. Of all time. King Kendrick Lamar is about to drop a new album this week. Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. This is like Christmas for me, honest to God. And what a year it's been for rap music so far. Like we've had a great album from Lil Durk. Great album from Denzel Curry. Pusha T dropped one of the best albums I've heard in the last number of years. Future just put out an album, which I like. And Jack Harlow last week. And now we're getting the return of King Kendrick Lamar. This week. This Friday. I can't wait. We are getting spoiled as fans of rap music. It's going to be more to come in the summertime too. Looking forward to seeing who drops. But anytime Kendrick drops an album. He dominates the rap game for that year. And every time he puts out an album. It's always like a landmark moment in my life that I remember. It's like Where Were You When 9-11 Happened. It's like I always remember where I am when Kendrick puts out an album. Where I'm at in life. Do you know what I mean? Section 80 2011. Doing my Leaving Cert in Hewitt. I just associate that album with that time in my life. Good Kid Mad City. One of the best albums ever created across any genre. Period. 2012 my first job my first year in college smoking weed on campus every day with this album playing in my headphones classic to pimp a butterfly summer of 2015 man this album just takes me right back to thailand we went there for a month that summer and it was like the soundtrack for the trip for me anyway i had it blasting in my headphones for the full few weeks that i was there And then we got damn in 2017, this is my final year of college and it just reminds me of me and the girl I was with at the time, summer days spent with her just takes me right back and yes it did take me five years to do a three year course, you may have added that up there I'm not sure but slow and steady wins the race and then after that it's just silence and suspense for like five years. Bear the odd feature here and there like what's going on with king kendrick where did he go but now he's back summer of 2022 and i am buzzing for this album we got the title mr morale and the big steppers it sounds like a children's book or something the rumors online are saying that it's going to be a double disc album mr morale being one side and the big steppers being the other Which I believe, because all the biggest rappers, they do a double disc at one point in their career. Like Jay-Z with The Blueprint 2. Tupac, All Eyes On Me. And in more recent times, we got Drake, Scorpion. Usually one side is pure rap and the other side is kind of more melodic R&B kind of songs. There's talks of Kendrick's crew kind of being on the album, you know. Mr. Morale will be kendrick on his own and the big steppers will be his crew but who knows all is yet to be revealed this week all i know is you can bet your last dollar it's going to be a banging album but historically speaking double disc albums tend to kind of be a bit of a letdown like that's probably jay-z's worst album and that's probably drake's worst album the ones i just mentioned there so could this be kendrick's worst album we'll see Especially after taking a 5 year hiatus and coming back like maybe he's gotten a bit rusty but I don't think so to be honest. But I think no matter what he puts out it will slap. I actually can't even imagine the pressure on him to produce a good album when you have a catalogue like his you know. Every album he's put out so far is a classic so he's got to match that or come up with something better while the whole world waits in anticipation. That is insane pressure like. And he's obviously aware of the fact that this album has to be top tier. And I'm sure he has a team around him as well. Whose job it is to make sure that he doesn't fail you know. But in the midst of me recording this episode. He actually just dropped a song on YouTube. I was working nights the other night. And I was sitting in the canteen on my lunch break. And I was flicking through YouTube. And I saw Kendrick Lamar upload a new video 12 minutes ago. And I'm like, holy shit, I'm early to this video. What is it? The Heart Part 5. So I click in, watch the video, and there was like one, 1,200 views. And I was so early on that video. And then by the end of the day, there was 11 million views on it. I'm like, I kind of feel proud that I'm in the first 2,000 people to watch this. But I am a huge Kendrick stan, honestly. I've seen him live twice. And if there's a tour comes from this album, I'm definitely going to try and go see him again. And man, the heart part five did not disappoint. It's actually one of the best Kendrick songs ever. And he, he drops these, um, heart series. You could say usually as like a teaser coming up to the album. Like this won't be a single on the album. It's just a song that he puts out to get people hyped up a few days before the album comes out. And if this is the level of songs that he's just thrown away, like that, that doesn't even make the cut, we're in for a very good album because the Heart Part Five that alone, there's so much content in that to digest. You know, imagine what the what a double disc Kendrick album is going to do next week. I think he's definitely selling over five hundred thousand first week easily. Kids these days don't even know they're in for a treat. Like, it's been five years. Like if you're. If you're an 18-year-old kid now, you were 13 the last time he dropped an album. You weren't grown enough to appreciate it. Like, You're about to witness history on Friday. Guaranteed. And one other thing I want to say is... One other thing I would say about this Kendrick album is... You don't consume a Kendrick album like you do other rappers' music. There will be layers and layers and layers to this album... And people will be decoding it for the rest of the year. A lot of hidden meaning that you won't catch on the first listen. It'll actually probably take a few weeks to fully digest the album and actually get to like it. I remember the last two albums, Damn and To Pimp A Butterfly. I was kind of disappointed at first. like I didn't understand it. I didn't like the fact that it forces you to think. I just wanted it to hear good music, you know. And then after about a month of listening to those albums, I thought, boom, this is some of the best music ever made across any genre. It's like first listen, not really feeling it, can't get into it. Second listen, you're like, yeah, it's all right. Not the worst. Third listen, you're like, "Okay, this is good. And then by the time you listen to it for the fourth time, you're like, wow, he did it again this album will go down in history as a classic. Like Kendrick only puts out classic albums. It's actually frightening. So I'm telling you right now, don't expect to love it straight away. Give it time, listen to it multiple times, give it an honest chance, and you'll eventually learn to love it. And if you don't, you need urgent medical attention. I think of it like this. Since Kendrick's last album... I moved to Canada, I lived there for three years, there was a global pandemic, I quit smoking weed and I got married. So obviously I'm very excited about this album. I can't stress that enough. It's I've been waiting on a new Kendrick album for a long time. Thought it was gonna come out last year. He's been teasing it here and there and it's a very mysterious rollout, you know. But we're gonna get it in the next few days friday may 13th and the fact that he's dropping it on friday the 13th too is mysterious but anyway moving on with regards to this lent challenge i'm just going to take a few minutes to talk about it and share some of the results that came from it if you don't follow my personal page you'll have no clue what i'm talking about i shared a post at the beginning of lent First week of March, outlining what I was giving up and what I was taking up for Lent. For 40 days I was to have no alcohol, no fast food, no sweets or junk food. I was to do 100 push-ups and 100 sit-ups every day. I was to read for 30 minutes every day. And lastly I was to drink 4 litres of water every day, no exceptions. And this is obviously a lot to ask of myself, like a very demanding challenge and borderline unrealistic, but I was determined to do it nonetheless. Like I said in the last episode, I wanted to introduce discipline into my life and just practice willpower because it's important to say no to yourself at times. My aim was to discipline myself from the overindulgence of pleasure That meant reduce my drinking, reduce my binge eating, reduce my binge entertainment and screen time and in general just focus on living a healthier lifestyle. But Shane, why did you suddenly start thinking like that? Why did I suddenly start thinking like a war machine and a champion? I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why I did all of this first and then I'll tell you how it went. Obviously we all want to look better physically. We all want the big muscles, we all want the six pack and all of that. Of course there's an element of that involved. The same applies to anyone that goes to the gym. But my reasons for doing this Lent Challenge run a little bit deeper than that. Let me share a quick story with you. Last summer I had to do a medical. So I went and did the medical, got my bloods taken and everything else. A few days later I get my results, Passed my medical, congrats, yippee. But Shane, we do have some concerns with your blood test. Here's a copy of the results. Take these results to your GP and go from there. So I'm like, alright, bet. I go down there, she takes more bloods and I was paranoid off my game at this stage. A few days go by, I get a call from her basically saying, Shane, your blood pressure was too high and you have very high cholesterol. Which is a big deal like but not the end of the world. At least I have the power to fix it on my own. I thought she was going to tell me I was dying or something. And she said Shane you're way too young to have high blood pressure. I could put you on tablets that would lower your cholesterol but you're too young. These tablets are usually for men in their late 50s. She said you're going to have to change your lifestyle Shane or you're at serious risk of heart failure. Like, that got me scared. And she went on to say, Shane, please, 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 start today. Don't wait until next week or next month. Start today. And I'm sitting in the car on the phone thinking, this woman is actually begging me to start taking care of my diet. I was shook up. So I started looking up cholesterol-reducing foods and different ways I could lower my cholesterol. And I was kind of embarrassed, I feel even kind of embarrassed telling you, but fuck it, here we are. I have a fast food addiction. Like, remember I spoke about it briefly on the last one. Now I've always liked my fast food, but when I quit smoking, I started eating way more. And that's when food started becoming a problem for me. And then last summer I got that call from my GP. And even after that I'd have good weeks and I'd have bad weeks, despite the doctor's warnings. I'm still queuing up at KC's like a fucking moron. No excuses, but it is kind of harder when you're doing shift work. And then the weeks just go by so fast. I'm like, all right, I'll start a new diet next week. Or I'm like, okay, how about after the weekend? And then, oh, that last diet failed. So I'll eat all around me for a few days and then try again next week. And it's just this vicious cycle of failure, try again, failure, try again. And then all of a sudden it's Christmas and I'm like... Bro, good luck to anyone trying to eat healthy over Christmas. My darling wife Lee was over and I said... Hey, I'm on my holidays, I'll eat what I want and I'll try again in January. New year, new me. And that's always the biggest lie. I kept eating like a fucking hippo until February. And then I tried a diet in February. But I had a buddy's 38, I had an engagement party... I had one or two other piss-ups and the booze just flad whatever diet I was going for at the time. So then I heard someone at work talking about Lent and I'm like, Lent? I forgot that was even a thing. So I saw it as a new, fresh opportunity to start again. And then I was so excited about it that I put a post up about it on Instagram like a fucking Muppet. But I absolutely went for it anyway. No alcohol. I was fed up of being hungover every weekend. And if I did drink, I'd end up eating something that I shouldn't be eating. So no fast food, no junk food to obviously lower my cholesterol. Just have a strict diet for 40 days and then introduce the push-ups and sit-ups every day for a bit of exercise. Reading every day just to keep the mind sharp and four liters of water every day because, come on, we all need to drink water. And uh, I'd basically drink nothing besides coffee, juice and water. No fizzies. So how did it go? Well, it went very well. Did I do all of those things? Absolutely not. But I knew that going into it, that I would probably fail. I set the bar way too high and demanded far too much for myself. But I don't actually consider it a failure at all. I know some of you were thinking, no way he can do this. And you're probably thinking now, haha, I knew he wouldn't do it. But I can consider this a failure, like... As far as the alcohol goes I did very well. I went out Paddy's day and didn't drink. Now someone did buy me a pint so I had the one and I drove home. I had a last minute trip to Manchester that I spoke about a minute ago. Unplanned, unexpected trip to Manchester with my mum. So when I was over there I just said fuck it. I had about three pints before the United match and that was it. And then there was one night a couple of weeks after that I was dying sick and I just had a hot whiskey. But that was more than less it for the booze. Like as you can see I had a drink here and there. But as far as going out and getting pissed out of my tree. That just didn't happen for six weeks like. On the food side of things I think I did very well. I did fall off the wagon a few times in the six week period that Lent goes on for. I probably got like four takeaways. But that's massive for me like. I'd say before Lent I would have been eating around... Seven to ten takeaways per week. Literally. Which is insane. Like I'd go to a deli. Get a roll at lunch. And then I'd probably get a takeaway later that evening. You know. Seven to ten takeaways per week is ridiculous. So four takeaways in six weeks was a major improvement. And I'm very proud of myself for that. And instead of eating rubbish. I was eating avocados, almonds, smoothies fucking healthy meals just salads and and i actually really enjoy eating all those foods as well which is the upside but one of those takeaways was actually on paddy's day as well and the day i was in the pub with all the lads and i was so proud of myself for not drinking so then when i'm driving home i'm like yeah you know what i actually deserve mcdonald's for holding out but as for everything else like of course i couldn't do it every single day but I am proud for having a good go off it. I didn't do a 100 push-ups every day, but I still did the most push-ups I've ever done in my life. I didn't do a 100 sit-ups every day, but I still did more sit-ups than I've ever done in my life. I drank the most water I've ever drank in my life, and I read the most, and I read the most pages I'd ever read in my life. So, even though I didn't actually reach my target of doing it every day, it's still hard for me to look at this as a failure. But then it was all over on Easter Sunday, and I went out on the absolute tear, and I got a filthy spice route with a good mate of mine afterwards. I actually feel like that spice route reversed any progress that I had made during Lent, it was that filthy. And when was Easter? April 17th, so since then, in the last three weeks or so i've just been making a trip to the chipper once a week at the weekends for the last three weekends so i'm not doing too badly i'm not getting a takeaway during the week Uh, lent definitely helped me to make some changes that had to be made without trying to make it sound too dramatic like but that lent challenge could have saved my life um you heard what the doctor said earlier the lifestyle i was living I was putting myself at serious risk of heart failure if I didn't make those changes when I did. Maybe I'd have gotten a heart attack. Who knows? Touch wood. And I mentioned my breathtaking wife earlier. What does she think about all this? Like, she is the best, man. Honestly. Every single day it's like, What did you eat today? How many cigarettes did you smoke today? Are you drinking water? Are you drinking your smoothies? Like holding me accountable a hundred percent to the point where it actually kind of gets annoying sometimes but it is well intentioned like we've had serious long talks about changing our lifestyles like both of us she's a lifelong smoker and now she's been off the fags for what three months neither of us smoke weed anymore i'm not sure if you heard but we're very good for each other in that sense And it was her who actually came up with this whole Lent to lifestyle concept like unintentionally. She rang me one night and asked, how's Lent going? What did you eat today? And I told her it's been good. Like I haven't had a takeaway. I haven't had a fizzy drink. I haven't had chocolate or crisp in the last three weeks. And she was like, good. Now make it a lifestyle. And I was like, it was like the light bulb just went off above my head. I was like lent to lifestyle make lent a lifestyle it sounds like a non-profit or a charity of some sort but that's what i'm striving for from now on make that lent challenge a lifestyle it's such a demanding regime that even if you only do half of it you're still doing more than most people you know so that's like my life mission is just live by that But one last thing I want to say before our winner and wanker of the week is just about the whole alcohol aspect of this. If I've learnt anything over the last few weeks, it's that a good fucking session is actually healthy. In fact, it's necessary. I'm never going off to drink again. I felt like I needed the break for reasons that I mentioned earlier. But fuck that. You have to go out and enjoy yourself. Go out, blow off some steam, say and do things that you'll regret in the morning. Fuck it. Life is too short. It's like fellas nowadays just don't drink to be alternative. You have fellas online saying, Oh, well, uh, I haven't had a drink since 2016 and uh, now I'm a world-class powerlifter. Yeah, a world-class dickhead, more like. Get off your high horse. Fair enough to the lads that just don't want to drink but I hate when people use it for like their status, you know, or they try and use it to enhance their image. And I have felt the pull from these type of dudes before, like healthy living, you go out sober and come home sober and you've no hangover, but they are sober all the time. Like imagine being sober all the time. That is foreign to me. Tip of the cap to fellas that do it, but That could never be me. That's all I'm saying. You go out, have a few pints, have a fucking laugh. It's healthy and it's necessary. Okay? Enough about that. Winner of the week goes to the best Irish athlete there ever was because of her incredible performance against Amanda Serrano last weekend. Or, sorry, two weeks ago now at this stage. What a fight. What a scrap. Katie is the type of athlete that just makes you proud to be Irish even just her whole professionalism and how she carries herself outside the ring no bullshit no antics to sell the fight or anything like that she just lets her boxing do the talking for her and she is frighteningly good i actually love her man (laughs) there's something about a girl that can beat me up that just turns me on i don't know what it is but (laughs) on a serious note it really looked like she was getting flogged in the fifth round so for her to persevere and dig deep and come back go the distance and win by decision is incredible that's the irish dog in her now like it really just it says so much about her character And to sell out Madison Square Garden is unreal. Like, not just for women's boxing, but for boxing in general and for Ireland. What an honour, man. It just shows how much interest Katie has garnered over the last few years and how many new eyes she's drawn to the sport and just how much she's done for the sport in general. She'll go down in history as one of the best ever. Like, I'm more interested in women's boxing now than males. The corruption, the money, the YouTubers and all this crap is kind of ruining boxing. Like your favourite fighter probably only fights once a year at this stage. And the sport, like I said, is outrageously corrupt. So Katie Taylor to me is like a breath of fresh air. She makes it exciting and her passion is inspiring. Like you can tell she's not in it for the money. She really just wants to be the best and is the best and has been now for some time. There's talks of a rematch in Crow Park. Potentially in October, and I'd love to be there. I actually got a chance to see her fight way back in the day at amateur level, so to see her sell out Crow Park on the biggest night of her professional career would be insane. I'm putting the word out there right now to my friends that would be listening to this podcast let's get on it early. As soon as the tickets go on sale, let's move quick, my brothers. They haven't even announced anything yet, but I'm telling you right now, let's get these tickets well-deserved winner of the week, Katie Taylor. However, wanker of the week goes to Pete Davidson, or Skeet as they call him nowadays, the boyfriend of Kim K. I was going to talk about this jackass a few weeks ago, but I didn't want to go down that route of talking about celebrity relationships and whatnot, so I just left it off. But now every two weeks I see a new headline about this guy and... It's reached a point where I have to give this guy a big fat W and not a good W. This is one of the biggest wankers you will ever find. First off he paints his nails. Big red flag. His comedy is terrible. Not in the least bit funny like. I could sit there and watch him do stand up and not even snigger one time. He looks like he's coming down off coke all the time because he probably is. And people think they're so cute, that couple, and they're so romantic. And I've got no respect for a guy that sleeps with a married woman. Especially your friend's wife. Now, I don't know how friendly him and Kanye were, but there are a lot of pictures of them together, online, hanging out. That's enough for me. And on top of that, there's been all his latest antics since he got with that cum guzzler, Kim. He got her name tattooed on him multiple times after a few weeks of going out. He then got her name branded on himself. Idiot. And now he's gone and got her and Kanye's kids initials tattooed on his neck. What a freak man. Imagine getting another man's kids names tattooed. Seriously I can't blame Kanye for wanting to kill this man. Honestly. And what's worse is Kim is pulling all the strings. And man, I see random girls on Instagram posting a picture of Kim and Skeet and being like, "Oh, so cute. Like, what? So cute, it's so wrong. They even called the paparazzi on themselves, set up a little photo shoot for the tabloids where Kanye's daughter would be sitting on Pete's lap driving a golf car. That was staged. If I'm Kanye, I'm shutting that shit down by any means necessary. He even texts Kanye saying... I'm in bed with your wife. And then five minutes later he's like... If you need help with your mental health I'm here for you bro. What the fuck is that about like? Skeet should have been taken out to the Nevada desert... And stoned to death in my book. And when you stop and look at the situation... You have Kanye who is obviously struggling mentally. You have Skeet who is definitely struggling mentally... With all those tattoos and his other antics that the media seems to applaud. And then you have this poisonous female in the middle of these two men. Famous for sucking a big black cock. Like seriously, fuck that. She is for the streets. She has been for the streets for a long time. And Pete, man, this guy. He actually represents everything that I dislike about society. It's people like Skeet make me hate the world. Paint your nails. Mental health sheep. Sleeping with a married woman. And then the media just paints him out to be the hero. And Kanye out to be the freak. It's like. Nah. You got it it wrong. And he did the exact same thing with Mac Miller. And uh, Ariana Grande. Bad man. Like he's one guy. I would just love to see lose it all. And I'm sure he will eventually. Like. That type of shit. Messing with people's families. Doesn't go unpunished. Kanye just wants his family back, god damn it. Pete Davidson, wanker. Nothing good to say about the guy, but who cares, really? Not me, just thought it was worth the mention. Anyway, lads, listen, thanks for stopping by, and I'll catch you on the next one. Good luck!